हेलो एवरीवन दिस इज कथक का चक्कर माय नेम इज प्रमित एंड दिस प्लेस इज डिजाइन टू बी अ सेंट्रल प्लेटफॉर्म टू ब्रिंग कॉन्वर्सेशंस विद कथकर्स अक्रॉस द ग्लोब सो टुडे आई हैव विद मी अंजलि नाथ Anjali Di is an established Kathak artist known for her swift swift chakras, crisp footwork and grace. Her solo performances are rooted deeply in the Kathak tradition, dazzling to watch and deeply moving. A disciple of the late Kathak maestro Pandit Chitresh Das and Gretchen Hayden, Anjali carries forward a legacy of high artistry. education and training of the next generation of kathak artists and students she has passionately pursued a career in kathak and public health simultaneously for over 20 years anjali is dedicated to sharing promoting and advancing the art for the benefit of all while working to establish sustainable professional opportunities and platforms for the art Anjali strives to engage everyone she reaches in the holistic benefits and universal relevance of the art of kathak. Anjali Di, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Nice to be here with you. Yeah, nice to be and, I, and I'm happy we did this. Uh, yeah, and just some background. Uh, so I came I came across your work when uh, when I was reading Sarah Morelli ji's book and there was a section on the California chakra mm-hmm. and Sevi ji does the traditional chakra and you demonstrate the Uh, California chapter, and that's when I and when after seeing that work and kind of following up on that, I knew I wanted to like talk to you as well. And just to start off with Anjali, the why Kathak? How did you how did you pick that, or how did that pick you? Right, that's a nice way of asking it. <laughs> uh, I think it must have chosen me. I had no idea what it even was. Um, oddly, though, I come from a long line of um, relatives who've all studied Kathak in their lives. I had no idea what it was. until i reached uh university at tufts university in the boston mm-hmm. area is where a friend of mine mentioned to me that she had taken this class called kathak and do mm-hmm. i want to try it and i had no idea what it was but i was interested in any and every dance uh form i could get my hands on and i could get involved in and so i just said yes and i stepped into a room that weekend um on campus where a non-indian very tall white blonde woman was teaching the class and it really didn't make any difference to me because the moment she started speaking and moving um i just immediately felt some connection to her and to whatever she was offering and at that time i just had a big ego so <clears throat> i just loved to i mean i think we all still have our egos and i just loved to dance and so there was something about the movements about the meaning that was coming through that was just speaking to me um but it was suiting my body and um i felt very good and free and confident in it and uh i guess it was fueling a bit of my ego and it just helped me stay connected feel connected to it initially so truthfully i had no idea on earth what i was you know getting myself into and 6 years later i was still studying with gretchen ji outside of college and 3 years after that i ended up moving to california to study further with pandit chitresh das um mm-hmm. our guruji who is no more but and then my journey has just taken me <clears throat> through amazing things amazing things and back to where i began um with gretchen ji through her school that was eventually established called chandika mm-hmm. and um after 8 years 
with Chandika, I'm now venturing off onto my own. So I don't think I could have ever anticipated what my journey would have been. And um, why Kathak? I don't know. I do think it chose me. Amazing. And th- thanks for like giving such a succinct, like, uh, yeah, just a summary of everything you've gone through, what all your experiences. That's a wonderful summary of everything. Mm. And that kind of sets the tone for it as well. And kind of brings me to my next question. So, like, so yeah, the, the reasons why Kathak chose you or why, why Kathak, maybe might be unclear, but I think this might be clearer. What made you, what, why do you think you, cause you've been doing this for 20 years. Mm. So what helped you stick through, through it, right. through all the years, throughout the highs and lows? Such a great question. Uh, because there have been so many highs and lows and it really is something that, you know, just to even touch upon the previous question, There's something so deep and rich about this, right? One, it's a classical art. So by nature, it is that. But it really forces anyone who is willing to go on that journey just through the art form itself, but also to be learning through such a master who really does serve a proper role as a guru, right? And that word guru gets thrown around quite a bit, especially in the West. And people are gurus of finance and gurus of this and gurus of that. And, and not to detract from that, but even those who have, who take on the um, title of guru, it's really something, a title to honor and respect and not some, and sometimes I think people have misused that title. So I feel very fortunate to be, to have been connected to someone who I think really honored that title and earned the respect that it comes with. Um, <clears throat> so yes, many ups and downs. I do think tr- truthfully, I feel like I have always been a dancer at heart. Mm-hmm. I have been dancing since age four, where I started in once a week ballet classes. That's all we mm-hmm. could afford. I grew yeah. up in the U S and mm-hmm. I did those consistently through the age of 18. And when I went to Tufts university, they and did- when did you start just for background? Sure. Age four through 18. Wow. Okay. (laughs) So 14 years of my life was fully ballet and I loved it. And it's so much in my body. Um, It's very fluid. There was no speaking involved. And um, when I got to university, they did not offer ballet on campus. So I would have had to travel far off campus to get those classes. So I tried everything from salsa to hip hop to Bharatnatyam. I did Bhangra and Bollywood and everything you could find. And that's why when Kathak came to me three years into college, I had tried a lot already. So Mm -hmm. there was something about, like I said, the movements, but also the bowls, Mm -hmm. the language, the rhythms. Um, And as someone who's always had a little difficulty, you know, reading or learning and, and in such a way, there was something about this language of the dance that really spoke to me. Mm -hmm. And I think what really has helped me get through the ups and downs is there is just something that connected so deeply within me to this art that there wasn't really anything that was going to take me from it. Although, you know, um, I feel like I've always been sort of skimming on the periphery of it. So though I've been studying for 20, truthfully, 23 years, I've been involved in this art. um, There's so much more I wish I had done so much deeper. I wish I had gone up till now. But um, what I am so thankful for is it came with the experience um, uh, just to be able to experience this art on so many different levels. 
But to have had that experience with Guruji in California and my Guru sisters and to be part of such a large community, it really, it really boosted me. It taught me so much. It challenged me in ways I can't even express. Um, getting along with a large group of women mm-hmm. is not very easy. <laughs> All very strong-minded women as well. And, um, but it, it has taught me so much. So no matter what I've gone through that's up or down, it has all been very worth it because here I am at a much later age in life and I am still actually on just beginning in many ways, my mm-hmm. dance career. Whereas if I had stayed with ballet, my dancing career would have been over in my late teens, early twenties. So, mm-hmm. um, because also you, I think you realize that the ups and downs that you go through are actually so important so necessary and you see that of course later in life and you appreciate them because Mm -hmm. that is what helps you grow as a person and that's what I think we're all here to do is just learn and grow and that's probably one of the biggest lessons I've learned from Guruji is that one never ever stops learning because he never stopped learning and he was so open and honest and generous about Mm -hmm. his own journey Right. It was such a human journey and um, it made you feel, yeah, that we all have a place here. Hmm. I don't know if that answered your question. Um, it did and it did a lot more. It's wonderfully done, like all of it, because there's a lot to, lot to unpack, uh, unpack from there and we can go a lot of ways. Yeah. So just to forget, yes, uh, just talking about the term guru, I think that's one of my favorite parts in the book where Sarah G makes a differentiation between the word guru mm-hmm. and guru mm-hmm. and how those are two different things. They talk about how Panditji talked about not being a guru, but being a modern guru in training. And those are things he talked about. Uh, but first, I guess coming and I guess one thing I wanted to just understand, like where you are in your journey, are you com- are you comfortable being called a guru now? Or what? how do you feel about your relationship with that word when it comes to yourself? It's so interesting that you've asked me this, these questions because it is relevant because people are now, even though they've just, for example, I've started some new classes just this past fall and people have been acknowledging me as a guru. And I'll tell you, it feels terribly uncomfortable and um, very awkward. And I've had some very interesting conversations, almost slash arguments with some uh, close family members about that Mm -hmm. because it's been difficult for me to explain the conversations we had with Guruji about that Mm -hmm. and a little bit of what I said already that I think it's a certain title to be earned. I do think a lot of people, whether it's my generation or previous generations come with the idea of, what guru means to them. So I do think it will be really fascinating to actually engage in more dialogue about the idea of guru. I, I have been told to um, essentially accept this title of guru because of what I am offering. Mm-hmm. Right? And it, it does not fully resonate with me at all mm-hmm. um, for many reasons who I think, you know, for, people who are involved in this kind of art form, they would fully understand right. um, at my even young age, even my age is still considered young in the, in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. So I do believe it is something, you know, it's not even something I'm striving for, but I don't believe I have earned that title. 
at okay. this stage in life. But it is interesting that many people feel quite compelled. And mm. I think it will be interesting to, again, continue the journey and dialogue around this concept. Okay, yes, I will say that um, whenever I've interviewed like any Kathaka, when it comes to their teaching, at least when it comes to their teaching, which is not directly related to them being called a guru, they never feel ready, especially the ones who newly started or like are kind of early into it or anyone in general, whenever they talk about when they start teaching, they feel they were never ready or it should have come at a later stage. Mm -hmm. And that's something I found is a common ground to everyone. And when it comes to... Yes. Yeah. If I may just say that, you know, we all called... So when Guruji first came to the US, Mm -hmm. students... Um, were very informal with him and they called him by his first name. Um, Mm. When I started studying with him, we would all refer to him as Dadaji. Mm. And it really wasn't until several years into my study where he had already been studying, sorry, teaching for 30 plus years and he himself was not comfortable being called guru. Mm -hmm. And um, one of of my fellow uh, guru sisters just started to call him that. And at mm-hmm. some point he re- he thought about it again, very openly sharing with us. And he goes, right. yeah, I think I've, I like it. I think <laughs> I've earned it. And, um, but he'll still always have called himself a modern guru in training. But mm-hmm. we, it really wasn't until then to, that we started to call him Guruji and that did not feel weird at all. And now I, I can hardly call him Dadaji because that was like a very innocent time. Mm-hmm. Um, but then being able to call him Guruji, especially as an um, uh, Indian brought up in America, mm-hmm. uh, it feels very meaningful. And I know what that word means to me in my heart, no matter whether we tied strings or not, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in any official Gandhavandam ceremony or anything mm-hmm. like that. I think it's just some, it's a very um, heavy, meaningful, profound thing to be able to call someone. Right. Cause, and that's something I've been learning through these conversations. So when I first started doing Kathak, I was like, yeah, whoever's teaching me Kathak is my guru. And mm-hmm. then I started learning the more, uh, like the the way this word has. Initially, I was like, what's the big deal? It's, it's a word. And now that I have more of these conversations, I understand where people are coming from. It's just not, you know, saying it for the sake of it. So it's, right. that's been interesting. So Anji, there's a specific question for you in this regard. So since you've been doing ballet, and I know the people who start ballet, and correct me if I'm wrong, people who start out ballet young kind of are more flexible. They unlock certain things that they are able to do in a later stage of life, yeah. uh, which is why ad- adult ballet is so much different than regular ballet, say. Um, so on that note, has that ballet training and experience and, and the physical prowess you gained and the techniques you learned there, has that helped you do things in Kathak that you wouldn't have been able to do otherwise? Yes. So specifically... I've never been flexible. (laughs) It took a lot for me to do what I did in ballet. Um, So that has not continued or even gotten any better. But um, yes, there's so much. And when you say not being flexible, is that like you comparing yourself to a really high standard in ballet or like general flexibility? What does that mean when you say that? I wish I I could show you how it looks (laughs) when I sit cross My knees are like 45 degree angles up in the air. So that gives you a bit of a sense. Understood. Okay. Um, so physically, just not very flexible. It is something you have to work at mm-hmm. very regularly if you're not already naturally flexible. And and okay. I'm not. And it's not something I, uh, you know, outside of ballet that I worked on terribly much. Right. Um, I would say, you know, in Kathak, I haven't found that I needed that 
type of flexibility so much, but I can see where it does hinder me. Right. But more, more what I have found is that the understanding of my body and my core and the training I and foundation I had in that through ballet has absolutely helped me as a Kathak dancer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm often acknowledged for my chakras, and I don't think it's actually because of ballet, but um, I think it, it's more my desire to watch people and watch their technique and be able to adapt and adopt certain technique to execute something. So there's a little bit of a technical, you know, some of that technical stuff that I've taken, hmm. just the ability to observe and the importance of observation, which is something I often have to, you know, tell my students is mm-hmm. stop, you know, don't just keep dancing, just stop and be still and watch, just mm-hmm. watch. But for those who are not necessarily trained, they don't know what they're watching for. Hmm. So it's interesting to be able to impart a little bit of that knowledge to them. Um but yeah, I will say in a way it also has hindered me because whereas mm-hmm. in, in ballet, you're quite on your toes, right? at least in the style that Guruji taught, where we don't do gathak, uh, where we're on our toes very much or jumping in certain ways. Okay. And so where, for example, we're really trying to be grounded and doing vigas with our heels, that's actually the hardest footwork for me. I'd rather do akshab tatkar because vigas require a grounding and a balance mm-hmm. in a specific way that is opposite of what I want to do. I want to be more on my toes. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Because for most of us, like the heel footwork is kind of like, okay, fine, you can go faster on that versus right. the flat one. It almost feels like, phew, okay, fine. I can do heels now. That's but right. It's very fascinating that given your experience, it's been the opposite one. Because right. I was, when you first said that, I was like, how, why? Okay. And then it made perfect sense. Yeah. But we always actually, though, have to retrain our bodies. You know, some things we may understand more naturally, like you're saying that just made sense to you. Right. But um, I have found that whether it's turns or footwork or body position, I have found that um, even though something does come naturally to me, there still may be a time where I need to adjust it, whether it's because I've seen, I'm seeing something, I feel like I don't like the way that looks and I want to adjust it. Or when I, when you're dancing with someone else, whether it's one person or a full company, you do need to adjust to look more like a, a unit in the way that you want to. It may not mean that everyone looks cookie cutter, but you still have to complement each other. And uh, yeah. And I'm still kind of stuck on this. So it's, it's a bit of a sidey question. So do ballet dancers like spin on their toes then? Like I know Kathak dancers do heels. So it's like. Yes. So if they don't have point shoes on, then they'll spin yes. on the ball of their foot. So from okay. the ball of the foot and the um, toes is that area is what's sort of you're turning on. And if you have point shoes, you are spinning on your toes. Okay. And very, I almost hardly ever you're spinning on your heels. Good to know. Okay. <laughs> and so on that note, I want to segue in. So I guess we'll, we'll touch upon your history with everyone, your guru bands and your gurus. First, I want to talk about like you, because you said you started, You've uh, could you tell us a little bit about how, when you started to establish yourself as a Kathaka and how that journey has been? Mm. I will say that Guruji supported each of us to establish ourselves as right. Kathak artists in our own rights mm-hmm. from the beginning. 
okay. because of the way he trains. So <clears throat> we may all be in the same class doing the exact same things, let's say, right. but we all come with our own uniqueness, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Which includes, sure, our physical abilities in the dance. Okay. We all come with different abilities in terms of the way we think. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and so on. So I think, you know, <clears throat> and he always trained us to our strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And that meant on and off the dance floor, right? He would speak to me very differently than he would speak to my other guru sisters and, and all around, that was the case. Okay. So no matter how many dancers he's trained in his life, mm -hmm. And to such depths, right? The the dedication he had to his students, who many have walked out, away from the dance, right, mm -hmm. and away from him, and have are no longer continuing, despite how much he's put. And you know, you were talking about the ups and downs, and I'm sure many of us have stories about how sometimes we feel like, oh my gosh, this isn't for me anymore, or I can't handle this, and I I do want to walk away. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and you know, our own journeys and reconciling that. But yeah. to answer your question from the beginning. And so um, we that's how I teach also as well, whether students understand why or not. But even a student who's only been taking a few classes, I say, look, if you can stand in front of somebody mm. and say, Gathak comes from the word Gatha, meaning story. Gathaka is a storyteller. And you at least know what art form you're presenting, be able to speak something about it and something about you know, explain at least to introduce what you're dancing. Right. right. And so we were never trained to just put on uh, recorded music and dance to it and learn sequences like that. Right. Ever, almost ever. <clears throat> and mm -hmm. so we, he, he just never compromised on providing us with the true foundation of the art. Um, that doesn't mean he didn't just push and push and push, but, uh, Ultimately, you know, as a dancer, you just want to be able to enjoy your dance, dance your dance, show your dance, share your dance, right? But it truthfully is, for everyone, it's going to be different. But for me, it's actually been, that has been quite up and down, just the journey with myself. That has been the up and down. Um, so I would say on the dance floor, there were many things that I could pick up very easily. Okay. Rudy could see that, you know, technically, okay, Anjali can grab that or Anjali's got this or she can recite this or she can execute that. <clears throat> and with that, you naturally would think that there's, okay, then you can see the progression would be pretty steadily upward. Mm -hmm. But what would happen in class is my guru sisters, who maybe couldn't execute something as well as I could, let's say. Right. They they actually kept moving, literally physically moving forward more and more in the classes that I was in. And I kept finding myself kind of moving backward. Okay. And that's because I had um, a lot of discomfort in the aspect of Gathak, where you have to be a Gathaka and speak. And um, just as what I said in terms of what I said about how I trained the other students to stand there mm -hmm. by themselves and speak and explain. Speaking right. as a ballet dancer, I did not have to speak. Once mm -hmm. I realized Gatak was something where I had to speak and sing right. and, and emote in such a way, that's mm -hmm. where all my inhibitions started to really come up. And so as I went deeper into the dance, I was 
facing more and more my mm -hmm. own inhibitions and insecurities. And it continues because the deeper you go in, right? Right. And the more time you spend with yourself, you realize, mm -hmm. oh gosh, where are these weak points? Mm -hmm. And what do I have to face? And my gosh, what a beautiful challenge it is to face those things and to address those things and also how torturous it can be. Understood. And so the quick of it is, there was a period of time where Guruji had all of us who were training in my time mm -hmm. prepare for our first solo performances. And sometimes those were shared evenings where, you know. Um, and do you, call that, do you call that the Rangmanch Pranam or do you call that something else? Oh, no. So Rangmanch Pranam is one, one element of the dance. In that is an invocation. Okay. Where your Rangmanch is uh, to literally, it literally means to color the stage. Hmm. So that is one specific piece or element we've been taught as an invocation um, that one would do typically to open up a traditional Kathak solo. Okay. Right. And so what I'm speaking of is that he's taught, he taught us um, all of the elements of a Kathak solo. Mm -hmm. And at some point he supported all of us and encouraged all of us. Uh, we all did and presented and performed a traditional Kathak solo on stage to an audience. So that was the more formal beginnings of our solo Kathak journeys, hmm. which is what you were asking about initially. Yes. And then, you know, after that, again, they were all very different, all mm -hmm. created based on our individual personalities and unique styles and strengths and so on. Okay. After that, I'll just share with you that, you know, Guruji, I think, Probably before most of the others, he said to me, he said, go, now go out and hmm. go dance. And okay. I'll tell you, whereas maybe someone else would have fully jumped on that and just flown, mm -hmm. I shut down. And I became very overwhelmed by the idea. I said, I don't even know how to speak to musicians. I don't know how to communicate. What do I even do with them in a practice room? Right. And I just started to overthink and over this and over that. And all my guru sisters know this about me. But mm. so it's been, it's, this is where we each as dancers also have to acknowledge who we are as humans. Right. And Guruji used to say, used to use this term, ahom, A-H-O-M, means mm. to know thyself. Okay. And that's what I think this journey as a solo Kathak artist, whether I'm actually doing things solo or with someone has mm -hmm. um, that's sort of been the theme <laughs> of my journey is continuing to get to know myself and working with that okay and your practice and well, i guess well first things thank you for again great answer thank you for going through all of that um i guess my first question from here is you talked about uh, i don't know what to say to musicians, I don't know what to tell them, um, which, which was what you initially faced when as a, as a soloist. Uh, I guess you have, uh, you probably have more insights now that you've done a little bit of it. So as a first, or sec I guess, second year student of Kathak, I'm curious, what do you say to musicians? What happens before when you're practicing all that? What conversations happen in those rooms? Right. I guess what I realized is once I started to put myself in those positions, mm -hmm. even if I was a little scared of doing it, right. that, you know, you realize what what you do have from your mm -hmm. training. And okay. you trained all of us in, on the one hand, I'll see if I can explain this clearly. 
Mm -hmm. He did train all of us on the one hand to be our own musicians because that is how he trained himself, right? So mm -hmm. I'm sure you've heard the others describe Gatak Yoga, mm -hmm. right? Um, where he himself started to play his own tabla for himself because right. he did not have access to musicians when he first came. Right. Back. And so we now have, we have learned tal. We've learned even just some basic rags mm -hmm. and to be able to sing those in sargam. Right. Right. And to know what the melodies and the notes are and, and so on. So it, it already gave me a fundamental language to mm -hmm. use to communicate with the musicians. Right. So okay. that gives you some confidence. And sometimes you don't even know what you know until you're in the moment. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, this is something I, I pass on to my students as early as I can because I have found how um, beneficial it is, not just because, oh, I was overcoming something that I was scared mm -hmm. of, but it's such an ama amazing, necessary tool as a Thakkak dancer who requires, you know, traditionally musicians to... Mm -hmm be playing with them so we can have that rapport and that exchange and that energy that gets created when dancers and musicians are playing together for an audience right mm -hmm. so you have that tr whole triangle of conversation and energy etc right and so yeah. um, I think it starts there it starts okay. from understanding that the language of the dance and those bowls what are your tabla bowls that correspond to my dance bowls? And sometimes you don't even speak. You you just hear each other. If a tabla mm -hmm. bowl is playing something, then you just listen. And mm -hmm. how can I reproduce this in my feet? Or how can I play with this? How can we do an exchange? How can we? Mm -hmm. so it's not always speaking. It's it's listening as well. Okay. And yeah, I think that I think yeah, I I understand what you're saying now. It's like. You initially didn't know, didn't think that you didn't know what, you, what to say, but you always, you kind of knew because of the training. It was just like a question of putting that together and learning a little bit. Something. And having some faith in yourself and in mm -hmm. that training, correct. <laughs> and uh, so I want to get an understanding of like your practice as it stands currently. Like how many students do you have? Are you performing? Are you doing workshop? What's it like for you right now? Right. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so right now, only since... August, I'll say, mm -hmm. is where there's been a shift where mm -hmm. I have now started to, even though, again, I've been doing this for 23 years and I feel mm -hmm. like I have, one, been such a strong part of yeah. and contributed to the mm -hmm. incredible, um, it's not just an organization, but but the work of Guruji, right? Mm -hmm. Through his school, Chandam in California and through Chandika in Boston and to be able to work through institutions like this, to be able to bring the art to so many students, to build mm -hmm. community, to create amazing works of art, both right. independently and with others. Mm -hmm. and, um, and now it almost does feel like I'm, I'm starting from scratch because I am uh, trying to now venture out as a solo artist, mm -hmm. offering classes um, on my own that are not affiliated with the institutions so mm -hmm. that I can actually just start to express an offer from my own unique voice mm -hmm. and my own unique offerings. But they are all very much in line with what the other schools offer and what Guruji's teachings are. But okay. it is challenging because it's not, Gatak is actually 
you know, with this pandemic, mm -hmm. there is so much that is being shown and shared on social media, especially mm -hmm. where even I didn't realize just how um, there's so many Gatak artists, so many amazing Gatak artists from all over the world. And to just see it come out um, in such a way and to see the variety and to see, yeah, the variation. Mm -hmm. So at the same time, then it's challenging to say, how do we, you know, how do you make yourself stand out? Mm -hmm. um, how do you inform people that you're here, that you have something to offer? What is what I offer? You know, how is what I offer different than what someone else offers? And I do know what that is. It's just sometimes tricky to be able to um, put that out there. And, but what I'll say is, yes, I am now in a place where I am offering classes for new students. I'm also mm -hmm. offering classes for those who might have studied with Guruji before and mm -hmm. they have some knowledge under their belts. And so I can offer a little more advanced class for them. Mm -hmm. And it is wonderful to be able to put energy into this art and the pandemic where things have actually become so virtual has, it's actually in many ways made it easier for me to connect my art and other artists right? and to be able to offer what I can more broadly, both in teaching and in performance. So even though, you know, through zoom, you can't, you just can't offer what you can offer on stage, whether you're standing there by yourself, and you absolutely cannot offer what you would with a, an ensemble of musicians. Mm -hmm. um, it's still amazing what we can offer. And I feel really good about being able to offer something so positive and so rich mm -hmm. for people in such a time when there is so much negativity and so much going on and so much difficulty in people's individual lives and in society. Mm -hmm. And so I just feel like this is my small contribution <laughs> to um, the better, betterment of society is, you know, you just hope. Okay. Yeah, because like from the Zoom perspective as a student, I think uh, the only thing I uh, I guess that I don't uh, I miss is that I think corrections take a longer time. If you're messing up something up, it might take weeks or sometimes months to for the teacher to because they aren't physically there and they're seeing like one angle of you takes harder like corrections and think improvements might take longer what i do enjoy is i think i don't i, I don't miss my 45 minute drive to and back from kata classes i don't miss bumping my elbows left and right and fighting for mirror space so definitely some advantages there just to be free that way and so actually these you since you touched upon a little bit would want to know like when it comes to your offerings, what do you think makes you unique or what are the things you're offering, offering that helps you stand out? Mm, nice question. I, I want to just address something that you just said because sure. it's possibly true what you said. I, I feel, to be honest, something about this Zoom platform actually helps me see the students a little bit better and to you know yell out or to give corrections a little more easily. Okay. And... Um, Something you also said made me, made me want to point out that... The elbows? Okay, so the elbows and space. Uh, <laughs> Let me think. So elbow, elbow space, space right, and driving. And, 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 and fighting for my mirror space. Because it's like when you're in a group setting, there might be someone in front of you. So you have to like adjust yourself so you can see yourself in the mirror, but then you can't see yourself completely. Like 
things like that like nitpicky like fun things to talk about not like huge catastrophic things you know but kathak really does take time yeah and i think that is one thing that is very challenging to impart on students so when you're trying to offer these classes at this day and age where people really only have the <laughs> attention span for even if you think about instagram or facebook and you see a video clip honestly i think people if you don't get their attention literally in 3 seconds hmm. they're scrolling past you right i mean i think about even myself you know where i what's worth staying what's not when i'm like sitting there just scrolling right but kathak does take time and i think that is the biggest challenge but it is also the biggest offering we have and when you were speaking about your experiences you know what zoom offers versus what it can't that is an opportunity for students it's open to students that if they really wanted to um they really could connect to this art on a on a deep level in many ways and it's there but it does take time and so one of the things that i you know and i wish that students would um connect to it but it the biggest challenge i think is being able to express and demonstrate what it does take and truthfully i think people start to understand that more as they just experience it you know some try a class some try a session and truthfully it is it's not for them it doesn't speak to them necessarily or it doesn't suit them and it's not necessarily for everybody in that way though it can be right Mm-hmm. So there is a place for anyone and everyone to find a place in this art mm-hmm. and to find a way for this art to feed their lives in some positive way somehow. Mm-hmm. I truly believe that 1000%. Um I have seen Guruji be able to speak to literally anyone and to mm-hmm. be able to make a connection between something in their lives and Kathak dance. It was it's amazing. and he could connect with anybody and it wasn't always about connecting kathak specifically but there was something that you would learn or that we knew we learned through the art of kathak that actually mm. you know made it easy to connect to someone else based on where they're coming from right that's how you connect to people where are they coming from that mm. was really important and i will say that um i think potentially i could use a little um help mm-hmm. and time to figure out how to articulate what mm-hmm. I offer but so much of what I offer has come from what I've been trained in but also because of who I am and what what I am made up of okay. <laughs> and that's also beyond what I've learned from Guruji it's I have amazing parents mm-hmm. I have amazing supports around me in so many ways who have really offered me such a strong foundation mm-hmm. and at the same time I'm very immature in many ways. There are so mm-hmm. many things that I mess up in in life and mm-hmm. things I wish I had done differently, said differently. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I am as human as they get, right? Yeah. I think we all are. I think some just admit it and some don't. <laughs> But um, so to answer the question, I just feel I think it's tricky. I think this is part of my journey right now. What is it that mm-hmm. I specifically offer? And part of mm-hmm. that is balancing the part of you that wants to be humble with the part of you that says hey i really have something okay. to offer it's not necessarily better than someone else mm-hmm. but it mm-hmm. is something yeah 
How would you say it? How would you say that? Um, so th- uh, I think the best way to explore that is through more questions. And I'll tell you why. Because uh, so here's the thing. So when it comes to say you as a teacher, so you've been taught by Gretchindi in a certain way. You've been taught by Pandiji in a certain way. So, you know, uh, so whenever someone starts teaching something, they take something they have from the previous thing and there's certain things they want to add they might have felt that there were some gaps in the knowledge or things they realize when i teach i want to do this uh, is there anything for you that comes to mind when it says that you, the, you, the, the things you want to add to your students that you didn't get yourself hmm. yes interesting way of putting that mm-hmm. i won't i'm not going to necessarily say that i didn't get myself mm-hmm. but i do think we all for example we will all look at it's this difference in perception right mm-hmm. We may all be staring at the same thing. We may all have been given the same thing and we will all receive it and perceive it differently, naturally. Um, So for me, I feel like the way I have, and we've literally all had very different experiences. Even those of us who've been in that classroom with Guruji day in and day out, we still all come with other life experiences. Um, What we've experienced of Guruji and our training though we're literally all sitting or standing there or dancing there at the same time, is all different. Guruji could actually put out a composition and we all go back to recite it and it's like telephone, right? Someone has heard it this way, someone else heard it that way, someone else heard it that way. Hmm. So to answer your question, I'll say that for me, it is how I have put it all together. Okay. And um, for me, where I felt like I have not necessarily... At that time in my earlier training, I was given feedback where they said, you're an excellent, one of my older guru sisters, Mm -hmm. and I remember this, she says, you're an excellent substitute teacher. You're not, you're not quite, I can't remember how she said it, but but the teaching wasn't working. And I realized what was happening. I was just getting overwhelmed in my mind. And so Mm -hmm. there was some part of me that put very conscious effort into figuring out how to teach better. And again, it came through observing more. So when you have a classroom of right. 10, 15, 20, 25 students in front of you, yeah, how do you make sure you pay attention to every single one of them? May not be all the time, 100%, but something that mm-hmm. you've observed about that each student. Okay. I should be able to look at each student and be able to say or know something about every single one of them. Okay. So little by little, I somehow started to train myself in that. And again, I'm not perfect, but I do feel good that I have been able to refine my skills as a teacher, okay. as a presenter, as a performer, um, because I've put some effort into this. Nice. And, um, and I think it naturally benefits anyone I reach. So this hopefully, especially the students and hopefully mm-hmm. everyone who you know, comes to see a presentation or a performance. Right. There's always more to learn. <laughs> For sure. And when it comes to like your relationship with your students, I uh, see so you, uh, so when it comes to like, in, in, you know, being, so uh, do you think, do you think of yourself like being like really fr- being their friend, being like super strict? Uh, how do you balance all that? Or what, how do you come across it? Uh, yeah. What, how do you do that for your students? <laughs> You probably could ask them and they'll all give you different answers. But mm-hmm. I will say, I think I have taken from what I have always had in my life. Right. Value, which is that 
people are, I have felt like my teachers and mentors and mm -hmm. those I look up to, um, I value them because they are, are authentic right. and genuine yeah. and giving. And I feel like that is important that I be the same. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes I maybe feel like a little too much. I share a little bit of too much of how I am, but because, yeah. you know, the yes, all the flaws and this come out. But it, again, it's all there. Yeah. Um, I do think I'm, my nature is to be a little goofy, mm -hmm. which I really like. It also makes me feel comfortable to just be myself. Okay. Um, but one thing I've learned from my mom, mm -hmm. she has been uh, in childcare so much of her life and just mm -hmm. is, a, is naturally amazing with children. Okay. Is the way you can be firm. Right. Not mean. While hmm. still being loving and kind. Right? Okay. You can be effective without being kind of a pushover. Okay. <laughs> and so, yeah, a lot of these values, I feel like. So this is one of my favorite questions to ask any teacher is, so say if you have a student who isn't, isn't like practicing much or like is going kind of going back on their reals. So how do you deal with situations like that? Mm hmm I mean, I think with anyone, mm -hmm. again, no matter what age you are, sometimes the seven-year-olds understand this more than the 50-year-olds, hmm. right? Because it might be just their nature or something they've already, they got. Okay. <laughs> that, you know, you get out of something what you put into it, hmm. right? Um, and when you're asking, what do I do if a student is not practicing? Yeah. And there's so many ways a teacher will address right. that. It's either... In the classroom, it could be with the group. It could be you actually have conversations with them, mm -hmm. and sometimes it will be it will have nothing to do with the dance. It okay. might be something in their personal lives, or mm. in their minds, or in their hearts that's making their practice a challenge. Right, their hearts really not there. They don't want to be there, which often happens where younger students are being forced in mm -hmm. to a class by their parents, which is why I very much discourage that. Okay. Um, and so I think it's just treating everyone, you know, even if it's a child, mm -hmm. um, even if I'm standing there right in front of the parent, I will always mm -hmm. have the conversation with the child okay, um, or the youth. Mm -hmm. and you just speak to everybody um, as they matter, as they mm -hmm. are human beings. And that, that um, I think that's part of what I've learned as well. Again, it's, mm. I, I feel like so much of what I've, am able to do just kind of comes in the moment right it comes from the arsenal of things that have just mm -hmm. that I now can I, ha, I embody which I may not realize or be able to articulate right but it does come out in the moment mm -hmm. um, so these are all fantastic questions you're asking mm -hmm. and you're reaching at all of the right uh, elements mm -hmm. and um, I just feel like I have been part of stellar artistic Mm -hmm. uh, training mm -hmm. to have really been able to be steeped in that, to mm -hmm. be able to offer so much of yeah. training to others, mm -hmm. and um, whether they want to be a professional Kathak dancer or to that they just enjoy singing mm -hmm. Sham Sundar, <laughs> and it just makes their heart feel good, um, or physically, it's a good exercise mm -hmm. for them. Um, I really think, like I said, that there is a place for everyone. And um, I feel like 
uh, at least just understanding that and wanting to support people mm-hmm. to, you know, you do something that feeds you. So for me, this dance really feeds me. It challenges me. It drives me crazy. <laughs> um, but it it's um, a vehicle through which I can grow and I can help others grow and um, succeed and benefit in this world. Okay, I think those were some yeah wonderful insights. Look, you're really honest about what you know, what you don't know, where you're coming from, and like the treating everyone as the individuals and not having like a one size fits all solution to problems. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. And I think now would be a good time to start segueing into say you as a performer. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess when and one thing I, I guess we'd have to discuss this before we run out of time is we we do have half an hour more, but. Okay. Uh, because when I was looking you up, Anjali, the, every time you you came up, uh, Shefali Jandi came up every single time. So it was like, it seemed like every, yeah, because like both of you kind of go hand in hand. And when we were doing our intro call, you mentioned her as well. So it looks like a conversation about uh, Anjali Nath does not go without a conversation with Shefali Jandi. So could you tell us a little bit about your connection with her as your guru Bahen and the journey you've had with her? Yes. So I actually got to know Shefali when she was very young, before I moved out to California. I only remember one specific class where she was a student there. And I think she might've been age 12 at that time. And um, then while I was living in California and training there, I think around age 15, she started to come out for dance retreats. And so I got to know her there. And I was, you know, I was teaching her basic things in terms of Kathak yoga and Thal and certain concepts that she hadn't been introduced to yet. But my goodness, I have never met anyone in my life who could eat, drink, sleep this art form more than her. <laughs> that is a huge compliment coming from you, knowing everyone you know. That's amazing. Okay. True. Carry on. You know, so many of us have had so much time with Guruji. She did not get that time. She has fully been... Um, you know, she started her training and has continued her training with Gretchenji, Gretchen Hayden, um, who I started with and who will always be a part of my, uh, you know, learning and training. And as a mentor, I, I love and look up to always. And um, it's it's always been a little tricky because I've I've had a Gretchenji and then there's Guruji and there's a lot of actually very interesting um ups and downs I went through in that regard, just, you know, starting with, with someone who was his senior, most senior disciple, but then trained directly under him. So this is a side note, but, you Mm -hmm. know, straddling for him, straddling anything, um, sitting on the fence or straddling two places for him was never um, the way to go. You you pick a direction and you go there. Right. And for him, that's why, He's always talked about one guru. Hmm. And now that he's gone, this is a whole other conversation, which I right. don't have to speak about today. But uh, so in any case, um, but we're all part of the same family and it's all because of him in our cases. So, so Shafali came into my world, um, you know, because of her training with Gretchen G and so on. And so she started to come to retreats. We started to connect a little bit there. She would stay with me. But it really wasn't until I came back to the East Coast and I ended up um, getting a job and some other um, 
Guthug outreach performance opportunities in Massachusetts. And then, of course, it made sense to just reconnect with Gretchen G and how so lovingly and openly she welcomed me back to Chandika as it would just naturally make sense that I would be part of Chandika. And that's what happened. And Shafali was there. And, you know, now she was in her, oh, my gosh, I don't even know, probably just turned 20 at the time. She was just barely graduating college. But in any case, she had always maintained not only maintained her Kathak studies through college, I mean, she single-handedly, I couldn't even help her, single-handedly presented Guruji and Jason Samuel Smith um, for their India Jazz Suites production at Yale University. So she is someone who, again, it's personality <laughs> and drive, but she's someone who, um, again, has always put her full heart and soul into this dance. And no matter what else she's been doing in her life with job, et cetera, et cetera. But okay. um, those of us who might question here, question there, I don't think she's really questioned. This is something that I know she loves and is dedicated to. And it's not my place to say that, but I, knowing her, I feel like <laughs> I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So we just started to practice together and dance together and be put in positions where we would be able to work together. Okay. We started to teach um, classes. She had already established a youth ensemble for Chandika. And real quick, when you both started practicing together, were you all both at the same level, so to speak? Right. Good question. So again, she's someone who watched very carefully. Hmm. And, you know, because she wasn't studying with Guruji, there were a lot of videos, I think, that she would get a hold of. And a lot of what she absorbed in terms of what the company was doing at that time in California, she got exposure to, but through video. But, you know, that only just broadened her exposure to material, et cetera, et cetera. But she had her own practice and training. And so um, when you're asking if she and I were at the same level, she really brought herself up on her own to a certain level of dance. And so when I started dancing with her, um, I mean, I think she called me crazy one time because I was doing uh, a dance sequence like really fast. Mm -hmm. Soon after that, she was she was right up there with me. And then soon after that, she was beyond me. So mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it's actually been amazing because I've never felt such a rapport with mm -hmm. someone on the dance floor. Right. Now, initially, it didn't feel that way because, again, mm -hmm. you bring two different dancers together of any kind, two right. different personalities together, two different mm -hmm. perspectives together. And it is hard. Right. So we had our challenges very much at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And from there it did, it was always a process, mm -hmm. but it did get easier and easier and it felt smoother and smoother. And then we felt more aligned and connected up to a point where we realized we were somewhat thinking alike Mm -hmm. And or we would we would always be able to complement each other, either with ideas or even in the dance. And I feel I feel quite sad in many ways that um, at this stage where I have made that decision to sort of go on mm -hmm. a solo journey, it came at a time where she and I were really at a peak in working with each other. Mm. So um, but it's not all lost. I think you never know what the future holds. And mm -hmm. I do think we each as Gatak artists 
I think we must explore our own voices and listen to our hearts. And my heart was taking me in this direction for this moment. But I think if, if and when, I will say, we come back together, it will be even stronger, even better. Despite the fact that she's 15 years younger than me, <laughs> I've still been able to keep up with her to a degree. Uh, yeah, um, that's that's a great story of someone that you've kind of, you, you say you, you she's kept up with you, you've kept up with her, you kind of bring her up. And then, so I love that interplay you all have had. Um, so you and mentioned- I've been trying to keep up with her for the last many years. <laughs> understood. And so one one of the things that was very interesting to me, Ashdi, is when I talked when I asked you what performances you wanted to talk about, mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned that you don't want to talk about perf- particular performances per se, as to more about the process of creation and how that evolves. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So much of my understanding of that came through my work with Shafali, mm-hmm. because prior to that, I hadn't really created much on my own. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> one of the biggest challenges was I came back from California very excited with all this mm-hmm. knowledge and material and excited right. to teach it. But um, she actually um, has much more of an ability ability to take what she's already learned and then build on it, which is what one mm-hmm. needs to do as a Gatak dancer. Right. And so often I would say, okay, here's here's what I've learned or here's the way we did it or whatnot. And she would immediately want to change it because that was just what was in her body and she would just build on it, right? So it was a very beautiful, natural thing, but initially it was very frustrating, <laughs> um, frustrating to work with that. And so that was part of you know, where some of our challenges came up and so on. But I am so thankful for her and for her doing that because it's so expanded my thinking um, because ultimately as Katakas, we should be able to improvise and things should come from our hearts, right? But we have to have so much of our practice and training and riyaz so strongly under our belts, right? Um, because that's where it needs to come from. So to have been inspired by, sort of pulled along by, um, working together to create, you know, to create pieces. And eventually we ended up creating production. So it started out with, okay, let's do a sequence in 13, you know, 13. Mm-hmm. And it, we would build off of things that we knew and then we would create um, and build new things from there and presented it at a school show. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then we realized, hey, this is really working. And hey, actually, we look kind of good on stage together and we're complimenting each other. And there are many ways where we um, really, it was pretty, it's felt pretty unique for us to be able to dance in such a way. Whereas I never really matched anybody because that's never also been our goal. Mm-hmm. But whenever I would dance with someone, our body types were always different, our styles were always different. Mm-hmm. Right? But with Shafali, we were again able to watch and um, pay attention to each other and adjust to each other mm-hmm. in such a way that we could create some really beautiful movements and um, what is the word formations and just so many different things that we could create um, because we could complement each other well. Um, oh, 
Jeez. So we're almost like same height, same body type. We literally mm-hmm. swap costumes and we're... Oh, <laughs> and that's convenient. It is. But, you know, stylistically, there are some things that, you know, if you watch us separately, you'll, you'll mm-hmm. really see the difference. But there was there were some beautiful ways where we could come together and really um, show some synchronicity and, okay. and refinement in ways where it looked pretty cool as a duet. <laughs> Understood. So, like, if you had to take some names, say, like, which one of the productions that you both did that you're really proud mm-hmm. about? I know you probably a lot of them, but which one stand out to you right now? Sure. I mean, truthfully, productions take so much to put on. And mm-hmm. so <clears throat> I can name all of the ones that we've done in these past few years because um, it takes so much to put them on. So right. in terms of the larger ones, we, our first, um, our first NEA grant mm-hmm. that we received, we produced a show called Thalam where we were attempting to bring together North Indian Hindustani classical music with South Indian, at least percussion to start. Mm-hmm. And we created fully new pieces, of course, based on what we'd learned. Okay. And that was a really major production. And to be able to, not only for our own artistic benefit, mm-hmm. but it also um, helped Chandika to be in a position to present um, its own dancers where previously Chandika has presented Guruji and the company. Now it's presenting its own two dancers that came who started with Gretchenji, you know, as professional Gatak artists and Mm -hmm. able to create and present a professional production. Mm -hmm. What a thing to be able to share with the community. And of course it took the community to put it on. Mm. Um, but for Shafali and I to be able to work together to make that happen. And from there, that idea evolved into voice of Kathak, Mm -hmm. where the idea would be Shafali and I get to continue to explore our individual artistry. Right. Right. Through the, um, through the format of a traditional Kathak solo, Mm -hmm. but shared. So elements of solo, um, presented with elements of duet pieces, fully with live musicians and some a cappella. So then that started to evolve, where we started to develop um, a cappella kathak yoga pieces. And um, so, chuns in twelve is something that I think is really fun, and I, I hope we can keep developing that or things like that into the future. Okay. And, um, and you'll call yourself something or is it literally Anjali Nath and Shafali Jain? We've just, we had talked about what that should yeah. be. And we had just started to call ourselves Chandika. And okay. Chandika will still exist as a, you know, professional performing okay. group because whether I'm there or not, okay. um, the fact that we have, I feel so fortunate to have mm-hmm. been brought into the youth ensemble that she started because right. we started to co-direct Chandika's Youth Ensemble. And Mm. even in the past few years, there have been several generations of members of the Youth Ensemble. And some of them are now, have now graduated. Some are on their own. Some are getting engaged. And um, with that still, there are many who are continuing their dance. Mm -hmm. And just even during the pandemic, I personally supported two of them to present their own, at least initial traditional Kathak solos on yeah. Zoom until we can present them properly on stage. Right. But, um, and so 
so there's been so much that we have been able to create together that mm -hmm. I have been able to create because of her, because right. of Chandika, because of the students that I've had the good fortune of working with. Mm -hmm. And that is what I feel so great about being able to bring forth in this next phase of life and, uh, and dance really. But the dance is feeling more like a part of my life right now, whereas previously going to a nine to five job and really feeling so split, um, I feel a little less split and a little more able to do um, justice to the art that I've been. And Okay, uh, so now that like I, I can, uh, we've kind of explored like your relationship with say uh, Shafali uh, Di and uh, you've touched upon like your experiences with Guruji throughout the conversation. I would like to touch upon Gretchen Di a little bit. And uh, like for you, what was your personal connection with her, or what is? Yes, I have to say it's a very complex yet beautifully simple relationship, and yeah. again ups and downs because just like with a parent, right? Mm -hmm. We have our ups and downs. And right. I think she is someone who has, you know, she initially started out as my teacher. Right. <laughs> and I have known her for 23 years. That's and long. she is someone that I think on the one hand understands me better than anyone in this world. Hmm. <laughs> And on the other hand, um, there are many things that maybe um, sometimes when you're so close to someone. <laughs> it, you don't see the picture? Well, I think what it is. So you know what it is like when, just as anyone, when we grow up, right? You know, naturally, we often then separate from our parents right? We need natural independence and separation from our parents. And so I think because she's not my parent, she's not my, has not been my Guruji in that way. She's mm -hmm. always sort of, um, she'll, I, I, I don't think I can't even articulate what she is because everything from a teacher to a mentor to a, someone who has loved me in such a motherly way right. and cares and is concerned for me in that way. And at the same time, you know, especially now as I'm older, who offers mm -hmm. such friendly guidance and advice. Right. And so I think for me, it's actually been pretty difficult to know how to categorize her. And I don't think I ever try to, but mm -hmm. I think our relationship has evolved right. in many ways over these years. And some of it has been more distant when I was in training. Mm -hmm. um, and it's almost like just that, that dance that you do with a relationship that you're close with, where sometimes you, it makes sense for you to be closer to each other. And sometimes you need that space from each other. And I think we've always somehow found the way to uh, find our footing in that dance with each other. <laughs> and it's not always easy and it's not always, it, it's sometimes very painful actually but mm. um i am so grateful for it and overall it is such a beautiful relationship that i'm so thankful to have um because again life is not straightforward life is up and down and she's been with me and i feel like i'm actually getting emotional <laughs> when i speak about her mm -hmm. but, um 
she has been with me through, I can't even explain how many ups and downs and sometimes even just maybe knowing something I'm going through and just knowing that she knows or um, just the tiniest bit of um, guidance (laughs) that she offers. And, you know, sometimes you just, you can't express to someone what they do mean to you. And, um, but I think we both know that we hold an, and we both do say very often to each other uh, yeah. how much we really truly do love each other and what an um, important place we do hold in each other's lives. And so now being in this place where I'm somewhat on uh, on this solo journey, she's right. not far away and it's and and um, I'm just so thankful for it. Okay. Yes. And yeah, first of all, Anjali, thank you for being so open and honest about <laughs> our relationship and, you know, how everything doesn't need to have a definition. I agree mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. And so and since you mentioned your solo journey, I guess a question I'm kind of curious about is, as you wanted to kind of break off and do your own thing, um, what, so what are the things you're trying to explore as a solo artist mm-hmm. that you can only do as a solo artist? Yeah. I'll tell you just for me. And again, Mm -hmm. this is part of knowing myself and understanding Mm -hmm. that um, whether it was, you know, with Shefali or with Chandika or with the Chitrash Das Dance Company, right? I always felt like there was just some part of me that I couldn't seem to tap into when I was uh, in the context of others. And so it's almost like, I don't know that this was a conscious decision to now go off on a solo journey, but it's almost like the universe was saying that this is now the time for that. And I am thankful for it because um, especially given the time that we're in with the pandemic and I do get to be, I'm not running all over the place. Like you're talking about driving for hours and hours and sitting at a desk for hours and hours. I get to decide, you know, Um, when I need to sit at the computer and do my work and when I can actually go practice. And sometimes I don't want to go practice, (laughs) but uh, when I get to do that, every time it just connects me to myself in such an amazing way. And um, I don't know, I keep forgetting the question. (laughs) The question was solo art, uh, like what made you, what are you trying to explore as a solo artist that you couldn't as part of anything okay, else? Thank you. So it, it does, It'll when I get to practice by myself, mm-hmm. it allows me to connect to myself in such an amazing and deep way. Right. Where sometimes things will, I'll produce things that I haven't, didn't even realize were, were mm-hmm. in me. Um, but I think it's, you know, as in meditation, just that idea of being able to sit with yourself, right? Yes. Not be reaching for this, reaching for that. So mm-hmm. I think being in this place where I am to this degree it, on my own, it allows me the mental space to mm-hmm. explore myself. <laughs> um, what is my voice in this dance? Right? Mm-hmm. What do I have to offer? What have I not actually dug into enough? What do I need to learn more um, about um, where could I be working harder and practicing more? What have I just been getting away with? Mm. Right. Um, or what do I, what, like we've said before, what do I actually hold and have that I didn't even realize I had? Um, right. And so where am I letting myself off the hook versus 
you know, where can I push myself and challenge myself more? Mm-hmm. And it's, it is hard to not have external accountability. Mm-hmm. I do think I've been trying to set things up in such a way where I do create some accountability mm-hmm. and opportunities for myself. Right. Um, whether it's teaching classes and I'm accountable to my students mm-hmm. or some of these performances, like the one I have coming up on February 7th. Okay. It's part of a three-part series where I said, okay, I'm doing this because on the one hand, it will expose the community mm-hmm. that I have, I am trying to create as well okay. as the communities I've been a part of mm-hmm. to some beautiful collaborations and aspects of the art and how they can mm-hmm. connect to things like the tabla, how they can connect across cultures to things like other bowed stringed instruments Mm-hmm. Um, that are not within the Indian tradition. But the last one I decided to do is a full solo, not a collaboration, which means I have to, you know, be in physical um, mm-hmm. physical stamina, you know, physical shape, mental shape. It gives me a bit of focus to be able to, again, take what I have and do something with it, meaningful, mm-hmm. and allow me to explore in a focused way rather than, you know, Gatak is endless. The possibilities are endless. Mm-hmm. And Shafali actually gave me that pointer. Right. He said, I said, you know, I, I, I don't know where to start. There's so much to focus on. And she said, just pick one, Tal, for example, one thing and explore that. And then, mm-hmm. and it's true. So, yeah, February 7th, I'll be exploring Dhamar. So I'm very excited. Okay. <laughs> um, to dig into all of what I had learned and what I can create through that. Yes. Awesome. So, yeah. So, Anjali, the kind of as we wind down and coming to my final question. So, now that you've, you know, you've had this body of work from, from Chandeka to the Chitesa Dance Company to your work with Shefali Di, to your own solo work and your teaching practice and everything do you do. So, wh- when it comes to Kathak, what, do you, what would you like your impact and legacy to be? Hmm. It's such an important and poignant question. I do think that Kathak is so far beyond any of us. Um, even Guruji had was part of the world of Kathak, right? Um, but he had made, he has made and continues to make phenomenal, substantial contributions. And what I hope is that um, that I, along with my other guru sisters, can do justice to what he has brought to us in this world and what we can carry forward. And we will each do it differently. Again, I do think we each hold a different part of the legacy and an important part of the legacy. And it's wonderful that you ask this because I often think about what is my contribution um, again, also when you feel at any, if anyone ever feels like, oh, someone else is doing this, someone else is handling that, you know, maybe I don't need to do this, right? But why do I need to do this? Uh, I do feel a responsibility um, to bring forth whatever it is that I have, that I have, <laughs> that I've obtained through this art form, through my training, through my life, 
and to be able to benefit the next generations to contribute to a more positive world. With everything that, everything that has been going on, and especially this week, even I was thinking about it, and I said, the only thing I can continue to do is try to always better myself. There are many things that I would like to continue to improve upon. So one, to continue bettering myself so that I can continue to offer positive things in the world. And I'd like to be able to do that as much as possible through this art because it benefits me and it benefits so many others. And I think I would like my legacy to, I, I don't know if, I, what I would like is that I have sparked some interest in this particular art form and that I've been able to bring awareness of the art of Kathak and specifically Pandit Chitresh Das's teachings to the world. And that in me carrying it forward, I will inspire others to connect to it, potentially carry it forward, Mm -hmm. And through it, also be able to inspire others to learn and grow and offer positivity in this world. And to make us all realize that, you know, we are not cookie cutters. We may not all think the same. We may not all believe the same things. Mm -hmm. But um, again, as someone who has always felt not the strongest in academics, Mm-hmm. I found something through this art, and it goes back to your first question, why Gatak? Hmm. I have found something in this art where I feel like I have a place. And I feel like I have a strength that I can build upon. And I feel like I have an amazing opportunity through to um, yeah, be and offer the best I can. Well, in my time on this planet. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, actually, so with that, I bring this episode to a close. I love that you just spoke from the heart. You were so real. And yeah, thank you for doing this. And um, yeah, as you start new classes and everything, I'm sure your students are happy to have you and they're blessed to have you as a teacher. So thanks again. Thank you so much for this opportunity. It's wonderful to speak with you. <laughs>